and we've made it to the final episode. I'm going a little more off script today because if you followed along this far in the podcast, you already know the name, you know who supports it, and you know who I am. This is episode 14. I hope you figured it out by now. For those of you that aren't aware, I have decided to step away from international floorball. Uh, I made the decision a while back, but I just finalized it um, just before the the world qualification matches for Canada in uh, April of 2022. So because of that, it was Ollie Hogman was gracious enough to come on the podcast and flip the script, kind of help me explain a little bit of why I decided to step away uh, and talk about some of my memories over the years and kind of what where my next steps are. So I was very appreciative of him to do that. Uh, he's one of the best in the business and he did a great job and we really have a great long chat. But uh, just as a final sign off, I just want to say as a big thank you to everyone out there. I was tallying up the other day. I've been to more countries than I can count. I've made more friends than I can count and, and acquaintances and, and foes on, on the pitch. So it's been, floorball has been an unbelievable experience for me in the past 10 years. Uh, and while I won't be traveling quite as much or playing internationally, I will be uh, training and building up the sport here in Canada with my local club exclusively. So I still look forward to playing the sport and making lots of friends along the way. But just as a final sign off, I just want to say a huge blanket thank you out to everyone out there that has been a part of my floorball journey along the way, um, especially all the people out in Europe that I've had the experience and the pleasure of training with and getting to know and all the friends and relationships I've made out there. Uh, and while I am stepping away from the game, maybe a little sooner than I had planned, but, uh, you know, these things happen and, you know, people are mistreated and relationships are broken all the time. So uh, I'm really looking forward to the next stages of my life and, and to have a lot of fun, uh, continue to play floorball at the recreational level and still really enjoy it. And a huge thank you to everyone out there that's been a part of it. And I really hope you guys enjoy the last episode of the Player Chats podcast. You're listening to Player Chats podcast. I am not Tyler Brush in shock breaking news. This is Ollie Hogben, and we have decided an unprecedented line rotation is about to happen. It is now time to try to win this game in the last moments. We had to do something dramatic, and we've moved Tyler Brush to the guest position. Tyler, the tables have turned, the spotlight's on you. How are you feeling about that? I'm feeling like that was the best intro we've had yet on this podcast. So I don't know if I can <laughs> ever come back from that. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. It's very kind of you. It's all downhill from now. Now you've given me the power. But listen, in serious, um, or on a serious note, it's, it's a great privilege to be asked to do this. Um, thank you very much for A, having me as a guest in the previous episode and also uh, inviting me to, to, to interview you. I guess we start with a simple yet really complicated question. What's made you decide that now is the right time to step off the court? Yeah, that's a great one to start off with. Um, I don't think many people would know because only I think my family would really know, but I think I kind of made the decision in the last world championships. Um, I remember sitting during one of our pregame meetings and just thinking that I didn't quite have the, the love for it that I uh, had had in previous ones. And Unfortunately, I think a lot of that ties into the, the current coaching staff that is with the national team. And 
they see the team going in a certain direction that I don't necessarily think is good for the sport in Canada. Um, you know, we're never going to be one of those top 10, well, we could be top 10, but top five countries out there. And so I think our goal is just to get better and better every tournament um, and to take guys locally in Canada that are currently playing in their clubs and put them on the national team, give them as much exposure and experience as we can give them. Um, but I think they're the coaching staff that's currently in place is a little more focused on winning now. Um, and if that means, you know, taking European players as opposed to local talent guys, um, then that's the route they want to go. And I didn't necessarily agree with that. And, um, but again, I am, I'm 31 years old, so I knew my time was coming up and I was hoping to maybe play a couple more years, but I think now is the best time for me to step aside. And I just finished a great um, year in the Czech Republic. And I'd kind of like to end on that high note. It was an amazing experience for me. So I think now is the time to kind of transition and just focus on uh, growing the sport locally with my Cambridge club and having some more fun. You've done things that virtually nobody ever gets to do. You've represented your country. You've captained your country. You've played at the world championships. You've scored goals at the world championships. You've played overseas. Do you have a single moment that above all tops the rest of them? Um, I mean, there's a bunch, like my first goal was unbelievable um, for me anyways, in memory, um, you know, finishing the highest we've ever finished is 11th place uh, once in 2010, but then once in 2018 when I was the captain. So I, I take pride in that for sure. Um, but I don't know if there's any specific moments. I think if I just look back over the past 10 years, like if you had told me at, you know, the age of 18, um, that I'd be able to go and meet all these different people in different countries and play and practice. I think I've in total, I've trained in four or five different countries now with clubs and um, most recently in Czech. So I think if you just compile those all together, it just made for one great memory. I don't know if I have anything specifically that kind of stands out. Tell me about that first goal. That was the, you, you, you had a really lovely sort of far away look on your face as you re remembered that first goal. What, what Describe it. Yeah, it was my first game. So it was in 2012 at the Worlds and uh, we were playing Russia and I had been put out there really no clue what was going on with the coach we had. I had never played more than hockey style in Canada back in those days. Um, and so our coach was uh, David Janssen, who was a Pixbo coach and is now the coach of the Swiss national team. Phenomenal coach when it comes to tactics. So he was teaching me all about the different position I should be in. Um, I remember just picking a pass off from the Russian defender and going down a breakaway and um, I always just had a patent and moved in hockey and in floorball was just to fake and then go to my backhand and slide it past the goalie. And so I did that and kind of threw my hands up. And it wasn't until after that we were talking, talking to the coach and he said that that's not really a common move, I guess, or wasn't at the time in floorball. So he thinks that's what caught the goalie off guard. But to me, it was, we talked in the previous podcast, how you just train yourself enough. So you don't have to think when you're out there. And that was, for me, was just kind of my patent and move. And, um, I remember they had a bunch of kids there from for playing the game and they all kind of went loud and I was signing autographs after the game. And so that was kind of like my welcome to welcome to the international football moment for me at the age of 22 was pretty cool. When you have a moment like that, do you do you get any time to enjoy it? Does it stay in your head as the game goes on or, or are you just boom, that's it straight on to the next thing? You forget about it. You're, you're playing the rest of the game. Um, I It's one of those things where you you go through the motions, I think, like, you know, the celebration and you realize in the moment for a split second that what you just did, but then it isn't until after the game, maybe even a couple of shifts later, you're sitting on the bench and you just kind of did that, did that just happen? Like, I don't, you know, or was that just like, is this all daydream type of thing? So 
Um, I think after the game, you really soak it in. And then now even more so now that my career is over, it's, you definitely reminisce on those moments for sure. What's meant more to you? You, you mentioned scoring a goal, you know, your first goal, you, you scored many goals, obviously. You, you mentioned captaining the national team. Has it been for you more significant to hit kind of personal milestones or, or, or for you to, to lead the team and to see others coming through and developing? Um, for sure. I, I love the goals. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I do love the points and stuff, but for sure, the seeing the sport develop in Canada and, you know, kind of helping to lead that. Um, I was for a number of years, part of the coaching staff for the U19 national team. And now if you were to look the past in 2018 and this past one, all the players that were on the national team, most of them came through the system of the U19. So I was able to kind of help teach and influence as best I could. Um, so I think that's where I kind of have the most pride is that, uh, you know, where the sport was when I started on the national team and the 10 years that I put in to kind of see where it's come through. And of course, it's not all just me, but, uh, you know, just know that I've had a hand in that was pretty, that's pretty cool. And that's kind of what I look back on with the most fondness. Is there a change in um, relationship there when you, you coach these players at the under 19 world championships, they then come through and they're now teammates of yours. Your role has slightly changed, has it not? Yeah, absolutely. I think the nice part of it is, is that I was still like, I was in my twenties as a coach. So it's not so much that I, you know, I'm that father figure or that 40, 50 year old type person, like in a way you're kind of buddy, buddy with them in a respect level, of course, is still there. But um, I think the best part is, is that, you know, I've kind of taken the knowledge that I've gotten from the national team or training with Pixpo or, or Komotov, wherever I've been and teach them at, at, when they're 17, 18, so that when they end up making the men's national team, we're already on the same page kind of, because the stuff I'm teaching is the stuff I'm doing. Um, so the role changes a little bit to answer your question, but I think for the most part, it's, you know, you, you're becoming more friends with them along the way anyways, and kind of a mentor in, in, you know, quotes there. Well, you said, you know, along the way, there's been, it's been a long way for you, five world championships that you've played at. Um, what, made you more nervous playing in a world championship or playing in the qualification tournament for world championship um probably world championships i think just because it's on that much of a bigger stage and you know it's, we have been lucky enough to have a couple games where we have you know over a thousand people there watching our games which to us in canada is a big deal because you know we might get 20 or 30 people in our games back home so um, and even when we play the qualifiers back in North America, it's usually maybe a hundred people watching or something like that. So I think at the world champs, there's definitely, definitely a little more nervous. And that first game of worlds, no matter is my first tournament or my fifth tournament, that first game, there's always the jitters and you got to try to get that out in the first couple periods. So world, I think worlds for sure. Do you go back to an almost sort of first day at school thing when you, when, when you get, get into that first game at the world championships? I think so. Yeah. It's, you, you still, because each time it's a different venue, right? So each, each world is you're going to a different city, different country. So it still is a new experience. Um, the logistics of it is still all the same. And you know more and more each tournament going in what you need to do, but you still do. You got to try to settle yourself down in that first game for sure. And it is, it's like a first day of school, basically. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. Of all the world championships you've played in, looking at all the host cities, which one has wowed you? instantly the most um i think prague in 2018 um and i was lucky enough to go back and play 
um, for Komatov there. And so I got to visit Prague again more and more over the seven months I was there. And I've, I've just fallen in love with that city altogether. But um, yeah, the venue there was awesome. The logistics were awesome. And that, I think that city for sure just kind of wowed me. And I would go back in a heartbeat if the opportunity came up. The Czech Republic's got into your soul, hasn't it? Yeah, and it's still pretty fresh because I've only been back in Canada here for a month or two. And I still, I miss it greatly. And the relationships and, you know, the experience over there was unbelievable. And I, I, I would do it again, again, like I said, again, in a heartbeat. And I'm so glad I did it. Is there a single game that you'd love to go back and play again, either because it was so perfect or because it was a game you'd love to have a different outcome in? Um, I think I'd want to replay the qualifiers um, against the U.S. for 2018 for going into Prague, because that would have been the first year where usually we had the Jamaican team also in our qualifiers. So it meant that two teams were going. Um, and the Jamaicans are much lower level than us. So usually we had a pretty good idea we were going to make it. But for this one, the Jamaicans were not in it. So it was just us and the Americans. Um, and we had a two-game aggregate series. And, um, you know, I, I was my first time kind of playing def defender too. So I, that to me was a great atmosphere. And we were playing in Toronto and lots of friends and family there. So I would definitely go back and, and play that one again. Um, and I'm pretty sure we would win again, just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> what... I'm aware of asking this question. It's it's the most complex question to ask, and you could probably give a six-part podcast series answer to it. But what was it about floorball that got into your blood and made you commit so much to it in a way that other sports didn't quite? I think at first it was just an alternate to hockey for me, and my hockey career was kind of coming to an end. I was going to go. I was going to university. Um, and it was just something to help feed that competitive side. Um, but then once I did make the men's national team, just kind of on a whim, I made it. And then I went to Switzerland and just to experience it on that stage right then and there, it was kind of ingrained in me that this is what I want to do. And this is a great time. And I know when I, you just kind of get that extra boost of confidence and, and love for the sport, um, which then leads you to go back home and build your club up and, so that's, again, that's why I, because of my personal experience, why I felt the national team, we need to keep doing that. We need to keep bringing as many local guys as we can, give them that experience, help them fall in love with the sport even more, and then head back to their club and help raise the competition level there. So that to me was, was what did it for me, was definitely that uh, time in, in Switzerland in 2012, for sure. There are a lot of people who fall in love with the sport and it means they play it to a wonderful standard as you have done, but there's something a bit more. You, you've, you haven't just given everything you've got on the court. You've, you've sweated pretty tirelessly to try to grow the game in Canada. Did you have a conscious moment where you thought, I'm gonna cross the line here. I'm not just gonna, I'm not just gonna play this. I'm gonna try to change this sport. Um, I don't know if it was any conscious decision. I think it was just ingrained in the um, culture in Canada because it is so small that you, you can't really just play. Um, if you want the sport to grow, you have to do something else on the side. Um, and for me, that was, you know, starting a club in my hometown and growing it to the level we've gotten it to. But um, like anything else, when it's just starting out is, you know, the, people wear multiple hats all the time and, I will admit at times it was, it was, it was a struggle to be able to do both and do both efficiently. Um, and maybe sometimes my on play struggled, or maybe sometimes my organization struggled from that standpoint, because you're focused more on the other, but um, 
you know, it's all for the betterment of the game and specifically in Canada for the growth. So I, again, I would do it all for sure. I had a great time. What's been your favorite moment at club level? Um, probably the first time we won um, our local or our national championship. We played actually in um, Maple Leaf Gardens, the old Maple Leaf Gardens where the Toronto Maple Leafs used to play. They converted it um, into the university there, but uh, we were able to rent that out and play. Um, and that was just, uh, it was a fun experience. You know, of course there wasn't, there was, there was enough seats there for 500 people. There was definitely not 500 people there watching, but, um, still it was a great fun game. And, um, I think the competition level was at an all time high at that point. I think it was 2014 or something like that. So that's something cool to, to hang your hat on, but, uh, just locally within my club, you know, we've grown it to the point where we're one of the biggest clubs in Canada. And I, I take a lot of pride in that. Again, it wasn't just me. I'd like to point that out, but it was, uh, something that I, I really enjoy. And to me, like some of that, some of my greatest memories are just in our local league, you know, playing with your buddies on a Monday night. Those sometimes are the most fun. So. What will you miss most about playing floorball? The competition for sure. Um, and, but I think it's the same across the board, no matter who you ask what sport it's the behind the scenes stuff, like just being able to enjoy the guys in the dressing room and go for a drink, you know, on the weekends and talk about the sport and, you know, game plan, your free hit situations and the relationships you make are, are second to none. And I think if you take that out of the sport, if it was just the competition, it wouldn't be the same to me anyways. So I love the competition and maybe it's bad news for the recreational sports. I'm going to start playing here in Canada because I'm out. Those will be my outlet for competition. So I hope I don't burn any bridges or upset people in my rec volleyball leagues or anything like that. But um, yeah, for sure the competition, but even more so the relationships and, and just hanging out with the, with the boys and having some fun. What will you not miss about playing global? Oh, wow. That was a good one there. Um, I guess I, I do love the working out aspect and the training aspect, but sometimes it, you know, especially in floorball, when you have to manage, you know, a career outside of the sport, like working and then a career in the sport, it, it can be quite a bit. So sometimes your social life, you know, takes a little bit of a hit um, and you can't quite do, you don't have quite the freedom to do kind of what you want on the weekends or evenings sometimes. So I think from that aspect, I won't, I'll be okay being able not to skip a practice here and there and be able to go and have some fun. So that'll be okay. Um, but yeah, I guess just to like, again, I'll bring up check. Cause I seem to do that all the time, but we were, you know, it was four or five nights a week. You were um, either in the gym or you were on the pitch training. So it's, it's a lot, it's a lot of commitment. And so I think I'll enjoy having some free time for sure. It's the world championship final. You're unmarked in a perfect position but you need an absolutely sensational pass to find you. Who do you want to play that pass to you? Any floorball player, past or present? Who's the one person you want to find you with that killer ball so you can win the world championship? Wow. I think I've always been an uh, Alex Rudd fan. And may I kind of see parallels not I'm not trying to compare skill level of course he's on a different level than I am but like we're both pretty tall guys um and I like to set set up guys and pass and and be creative within the offensive zone and I find he does too so I think that'd be a kind of cool story that I would save that ball for sure and I'd be bragging to my grandkids for years to come that you know I scored and, and Alex was on the pass to me but that'd be so cool if, if he was uh, able to do that for sure 
And he'd find you, wouldn't he? He'd find a needle in a haystack. Oh, my goodness. He could be looking up in the stands to see what girl he wants to take for dinner later and still find me with the pass while he's doing that. Okay, guys, unbelievable. <laughs> if it's 20 years from now and we're looking at floorball in Canada, what's your dream for how it looks? Uh, I would love to have a very similar um, outlook as like it has been in, you know, Czech or Switzerland, Finland, Sweden, and those top leagues where you have, um, at least especially in the province of Ontario where I'm located, if there was like six or seven very big, large clubs and we could compete against each other at different levels, different divisions, different levels, because I think that would be really great for the sport to raise the competition level. Um, and then you wouldn't need the need for finding, um, you know, European players with Canadian citizenships to fill out the roster. You could just exclusively take guys from Canada, which I think is the goal and should be the goal. And so I think doing that kind of stuff and, and finding a way to, to grow five or six very large clubs, um, similar to your, you know, your Gatesay or your Pixbo or what have you, something like that, where there's a huge uh, kind of feeder system and help to raise competition level. So that would be my hope anyways. You've already mentioned that you're going to annoy a lot of people in rec sports by being fiercely competitive. But overall, what what is next for you? Uh, it's just from a floorball perspective, it'll just be growing the local club here uh, in my hometown. So we have kind of restructuring things um, and I'll be able to focus much more because I won't be obviously out of the country or planning to be out of the country in the next little while. So we'll be focusing on that. And then from a just a personal standpoint, um, you know, I'll just be working. I, I, I've been telling people since I got back, like I got back on a Thursday night, a couple months ago and my family um, has a contracting business. And so my, I remember my parents saying, yeah, we're going to give you about a week to kind of get over the jet lag, get accustomed to being back in Canada. You've been gone for a while. And I was back on a Thursday night and Monday morning, I was on the job site right away, kind of getting back into this. So I didn't have any like leeway. It was right back to reality when I got back from Europe. So That'll be me for the next little while anyways. It's just, you know, working as much as I can and um, trying to save up for a vacation that I can go enjoy where I maybe won't be in a floorball rink or in a gym the entire time, right? I can go enjoy a beach somewhere or something like that. So that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. And, you know, we'll see. I might end up getting back into floorball in some capacity down the road, but for now I'm just going to enjoy my life. It's clear that uh, there have been so many people along the way that have had an enormous impact on you that have shared these great memories with you that, that you have been able to help um, you've alluded to the atmosphere of the team on a number of occasions you've talked about how the many others have, have helped build the club as well as the national team what would be as a player your final words to your teammates to to the fans and, and, and to floorball as a sport yeah i would just say a huge thank you and I would probably say it in every language that I've learned it along the way, um, whether it be Swiss or Czech or Swedish or um, a huge thank you. And I'm so grateful to have been kind of a part of their floorball careers and their lives and let them letting me in and teaching me as much as I have known up to this point. Um, a huge thank you. And I think the greatest, um, you know, I guess the greatest compliment you can give someone as a person and as a player is that they made you better, a better person. And so I kind of hope that's where I've left my mark. Maybe not so much with some people, but, you know, I hope anyways, that that's where um, I've done my best to make them better. And hopefully they've made me better along the way. So just a huge thank you. And I'm extremely grateful to have uh, been a part of it and been able to enjoy the sport for as long as I have. And 
keep on having fun, I'd say. Well, Tyler Brush, national team captain, passionate fan of the sport, grower of the game, coach, administrator. You said a thank you to Floorball. I think it's time for Floorball to say a thank you to you. It's been a great pleasure to chat to you on Player Chats to uh, take over your podcast for one final time. Um, huge congratulations on your illustrious career and good luck in whatever the future holds for you.